friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hello, Jen. Today, we are talking about the Amalja tribe quests. Yep. But first... <laughs> Welcome, Jen, to the A Realm Reborn post-game. There is a lot of content. Thank you, Jen. This is kind of like, uh, what's the the football music? You know, and then they've got like the CGI, like mech suit football players that, that jump down and they do these little like leg lifts and shit as there's music going on and I can and envision now for the post-game analysis that kind of thing I can envision that but I've never seen that okay I just have final countdown in my head anyway this is the Final Fantasy 14 post-game by post-game I mean post a realm reborn we've barely scratched the surface of this very deep and involved game yeah we've done nothing yep nothing <laughs> in the grand scheme and we have a lot more to do before we get to heaven's ward Mostly optional content, all of it good, and we will be doing all of it, Jen. So let's talk for a moment about how we're going to tackle this segment here. Yeah, we've had discussions. Yes, we have. There are spreadsheets. There, There is at least one spreadsheet. For first-timers, expansion cycles are organized as follows, and the same is mostly true for the A Realm Reborn kind of post-game. When a content chunk like an expansion is released... It has the main story and then like some side content, but not very much. And then the devs will trickle out additional content drops over time as they work towards the game's next big expansion. These content drops are organized as like patch number X.1, X.2, and so on. So for A Realm Reborn, it'll be 2.1, 2.2, all the way to patch number 0.55, which is the final drop in the prior expansion before they release the new paid expansion. All right. We are going to be handling our journey through the A Realm Reborn patches as follows. We are going to space out the main story content by patch number. So when we jump into the main story, we will do, for instance, all of the 2.1 main story quest together in a chunk. It might be two or three episodes, but we'll do them all back to back to back until we finish that story segment. Then we'll take a break, do more side content, then come back for the 2.2 story, and so on. For side content, we are not going to worry about which patch that came in. As in terms of like the order of release, we're going to organize it as it makes sense, kind of narratively and thematically, and also trying to break up the type of content we're discussing. So we don't do like six hard mode dungeons in a row or something like that. Yeah. So uh, we're not going to worry about the release order of the side content. Just do what feels good. And finally, for every patch cycle that we cover, you can expect to see or hear in this case, one mini series where we go hard on a batch of content over a few subsequent episodes, stuff like Crystal Tower and Coils. But our first series will be about white magic. Because so, why not? Because white not. Uh, because uh. there is some good white magic content in A Realm Reborn. And we're going to do um, three episodes in a row coming up soon talking about all that stuff. Yeah. And I I love it. It helps you make sense of Gridania, really. Because um, it's, it's weird. Shit's weird. Shit's weird. Anything else, Jen? Uh-uh. Okay. Well, on to the actual episode now. So we talked a lot about the tribe quest mechanics in general in the Ixal tribe episode. So go check that out if you haven't already to hear about how the tribe mechanics function overall in A Realm Reborn. The main difference mechanically between the Ixal and the Amalja is that the Ixal were a series of quests that primarily focused on the crafting jobs and the Amalja quests are for the fighting classes. So that's the Disciples of War and Disciples of Magic. There is no crafting or gathering component in these quests, so they go a lot more quickly than the Ixal did, where you had to go and do some task, and then you go back to Falgord Float and then craft it up afterwards. 
it's not like they're not really making anything. They're just kind of hanging out. So we've got the the good emulsia and the bad emulsia, right? Well, way to be very reductionist about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh, we got the red team and the blue team. That's true. And <laughs> like literally, yes. Um, and I mean, they're just like, all right, we have we have the souls, true true warrior souls, and the red guys, the bad guys over there are little simpering cucks. And they they suck like we're so yes like it's it's <laughs> the fighting is on brand. Uh, long story short, and every single tribe quest in a realm reborn except for the Ixal are actually all for the the fighting classes. This is going to be the norm. The Ixals are the weirdos compared to the Ixal two. There are more individual quests in a given step, but there are far fewer story steps here than for the Ixal. Like, when we finished Jin, you did not believe that we were done. Yeah, this is like, this this pulled a switcheroo on me, uh, like an Endwalker, you know, that particular trial that happened real early on. And everybody was like, whole, wait, what? Okay, so you had an expectation that this, like, there's going to be like a certain like flow of the story. Like, you just, you know, you make your assumptions or whatever. You think, okay, well, yeah, this wraps this up. But, oh, it's it's over. Jesus. That was, there was nothing. That was nothing. It, yeah, it, it was so fast and it didn't arc the way at all that I thought and, or the way that I had hoped it would. And, um, I mean, it did wrap up a story, but it was just so unsatisfying. All of the reputation quests take place in Southern Thanalan here. So you'll be in one zone, actually like one subsection of the Southern Thanalan zone the entire time. So what I would do is I would pick up my quests for the day. It was up to nine quests at the final tier. Jen and I started actually teaming up on the reputation quests at a certain point. And even though each of us got a different kind of flop of quests for the day, they still take place in such a kind of tight area that us going through there together, especially for Zaha Rock, which is the dense Amalja hostile subzone, uh, it was so much easier just to be together. And I'd be like, hey, Jen, would you please aggro these guys off me so I can click this thing on the ground? And then she'd do so and run away and I could click my thing and not have to kill three trash enemies before I could actually do my next quest objective. Yeah, it's not that it's like impossible to do alone. It's certainly doable alone, but it's going to take you for fucking ever because you got to like sneak in, kill a bitch, sneak in a little bit farther, kill another bitch, sneak in a little bit. Like you see how this is going. And then that has to happen for every single like internal gate that this area has, which there are many. It is it is a hell of a labyrinth actually in the beginning. Um, so the first ones, even though your tasks in the beginning are fairly simple and superficial, the challenge there is just finding your way around. Because again, we've got some z-axis fuckery that's going on as well. Yeah, there is like a big plateau in the middle of Zanrak, which is the the name for the Almalja area between Little Alamigo and the sandy desert of far southern Thanalan. And there's this one like plateau, which has a tunnel going underneath it. You'll have to do some quest objectives up on top of the plateau, some down below around the outskirts. It is kind of hard to find your way around yeah. for some things. General rule, just uh, go as high as you can and then peek over the edges to look for the big orange circles and then just fall. <laughs> <laughs> that was my strat. So this took me 20 to 30 minutes per day to do the reputation quests once I was on the final level. And that really depended very much on which individual quests I got on a given day. Yeah. Yeah. Some days it was like 45 minutes. Some days it was 25 minutes. Any other generalities, Jen? Uh, no, I'm sure we'll come across them as we go through the story. Okay. Short it is as it is. As mentioned, this is the Amalja story quest. So, of course, we grab that in Ulda. In the Immortal Flames headquarters in Ulda by the main Aetherite, there is a blue quest called Peace for Thanalan, offered by Flame Commander Swift, 
where we're going to go and check out the desert-dwelling lizard people called the Amalja. Again, if you are listening for fun or, or just haven't been to Thanaland for a while, these are the, the dark-scaled, beefy, muscular lizard people lizard yeah. that are twice as tall as a, a Heor might be. Yeah, These are, at least as far as we've known so far, are thralls to the primal Ifrit. So they serve their fire god. They kidnap people from Uldah and Thanalan. They bring them before Ifrit, they get tempered, and they join the ranks of the Amalja. So that's been our association so far with these people. After we defeated Ifrit last time, things quieted down quite a bit. But then, recently, there have been an uptick in kidnappings, so Swift says, Hey, you, go check that out. You did great last time, hopefully you can fix it again. And so, we head over to Little Alamigo to talk to our old friend, Gisselbert. Gisselbert. Probably. Uh, yeah, so this guy's um, monitoring the goings-on in southern Thanalan. And there's a... Um, a careless merchant that's not to be confused with careless whisper there's a merchant out there we need to get to him before the emulsia do because they are kidnapping literally everybody so we go down to what what, what are those ruins they're the, the ruins by um the temple of karn that's right the sunken temple um so he's just chilling in the ruins there he's like his cart is totally exposed he's basically dozing off where there are these like golems and shit walking around he like he cares not at all his name is carefree merchant oh it's carefree yes oh well that explains it careless carefree they're Both. very similar care <laughs> anyway so he's one of he's with he's within a stone's throw of uh, zaharak this is very irresponsible of him um, so naturally, a group of Amalja <laughs> close in on the man. Um, but before a fatal blow can be struck by one of these guys, a dozen arrows suddenly appear, and then a whole bunch of other Amaljas run in. But they're wearing blue. One of the one of the guys who is all painted up uh, is standing over this whole fray on a nearby little cliff, and uh, he yells down, uh, "Do you think your raids here go unnoticed?" A raider identifies this mystery Amalja as one of the uh, capital B, capital A, Brotherhood of Ash. And a battle ensues, and um, the, I'm just going to call them the Zaharak Amalja, the red guys, they're quickly subdued and they retreat. But not before we take we see a masked Mikote make a uh, stabby stab at another raider, another bad guy. Yeah, she's riding on a biased. One yeah. of the... Like swoops Spiky in. Spiky lizard guys. Yeah, like a like a what's that lizard that everybody has? The horned lizard, the desert horned lizard, the tail horned I'm so confused. What are you talking about? <laughs> of course you're confused. Um What what lizard does everybody have? I think it's just called horned lizard. Yeah. Just a horned lizard. There you go. Okay. That's what they look like. Um, but they're really big and you can ride them. She jumps in here, this masked Mikote, and she's just wearing a wood mask with white accents on it, um, like a, a flat wood mask. White and blue. Yeah, yeah of course. On, on brand. As she cuts down the red Amalja, she cries out, attacking when an enemy's back is turned, your ancestors would turn in their graves. She's right. That's That sucks. But, you know, they're thralls, you know, eh. And as this battle is going on, and our character is standing there just watching this whole thing unfold, doing nothing, another Amalja comes up to us, another blue-clad, ash-smeared Amalja, and says, Your presence is noted, but this is not your fight. And he says that his name is Hamuj Ga, leader of the Brotherhood. They are few in number, as most of the brethren have been tainted by Ifrit. Hamuj invites us back to I think the it's Hamuj. Hamuj. Yeah. Okay. Hamuj invites us back to the Ring of Ash. We intrigue him, and so invitation made. The Brotherhood and the Mystery Mikote head back into the desert. We do that a lot. A lot of people are intrigued by us. We are very intriguing. Apparently. So this Mikote, she's wearing like the sexy gladiator armor. Which is like a, a literal breastplate. It's a bikini with a breastplate. Yeah. I mean, it's hot. I, I have that breastplate in one of my um, like ninja glams, I think. <laughs> or maybe it's monk. 
Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. But, you know, like, how useful is it really? Not very. But this is this is the warrior also, way. Can you imagine that thing in the sun? Like, it's literally like, oh, like sure. baking her tits. <laughs> and beyond that, she has frizzy white hair behind her mask. We are likewise intrigued, and we <clears throat> follow the Imalja back to the Ring of Ash. So we find this camp here of the Brotherhood in a small collection of rough-looking heavy metal Amalja buildings situated around a small cave. It's this little kind of campsite on a little cliffside poking out over the chasms that separate the northern and middle parts of southern Thanalan. And we find Hamujga waiting for us cross-legged inside the cave on a small metal platform topped by a fancy rug. Yeah, and, not, not cross-legged like your therapist, but like crisscross applesauce. Yes. Right. And we'll see a lot of suffixes here as we go through the quest. Ga is the suffix for the warrior soldier class of Amalja. I was, that was going to be my next question. Like, is it respectful to say the whole the whole thing or do they just go like by Hamuj? I'm going to call him Hamuj because it's a long He's podcast. A, he, and he, <laughs> is a, he is a Ga We'll just get that out of the way yeah. right now. There I'm sure go. that they would be offended if we did not use their hard-earned title, but... Oh, right? Like, oh, no, 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 excuse me. That is Dr. Hamush. Thank you. Oh, and if you don't use the Mikote's title, then she'll gut you right there. She, I mean, she worked hard for that shit. So, yeah, yeah okay. I Yeah, in, in their presence, absolutely, I will refer to them by their honorific. But um, for the sake of this podcast, we won't. <laughs> so, Hamush tells us that the Brotherhood keeps to the old ways of the desert nomad and warrior. They show proper respect to the worthy, regardless of origin. We're picking up here that these guys are the non-tempered Amalja, and they are carrying forward the Amalja's culture from before Ifrit came and made his mark. Right. So just like for the Ixal, we are getting to know the, quote, true Amalja the true beastmen. The, yeah, this is their true culture. Yeah. Like, not the um, the abomination that we deal with on a daily basis. Because these guys are usually, you know, in the outskirts. Yep. They're marginalized. And these guys are really just a highly ritualistic warrior culture. Very it's much all so. about, you know, strength and self. Honor. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, like death, death in battle is like the greatest way to die. And it, it's like always chasing that glory. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's the... Uh, uh, that's the epitome of their existence. They are very chill, though, honestly. It's not like a berserker culture. No, they're not like going out and looking for stuff. No, but they, they know how to not kidnap merchants. <laughs> what I mean, it's like a very measured honor. Yeah, it's not like war is on a lifestyle. It is how they engage in battle when it is the current situation. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's nice to not have that kind of violence all the time. Right. You, like, you can for, go in and hang out and they'll probably like, you know, hang out by the fire yep. and chat with you. Yeah, it's cool. Only one person who's got something to prove is a way to aggro in this situation. Oh, well, yes. I mean, childhood trauma will do that. But more on that in a moment. So Hamuj notes that we have the scent of Ifrit on us and he wonders if we have slain the Lord of the Inferno. Indeed, yeah, we have. <laughs> in that case... Hamuj then tells us of that curse that has befallen their kin. The other Amalja, those who have been tempered, have forgotten the code and glory of a warrior's death. Instead, the tempered Amalja sacrifice the weak and feeble to their, quote, hoary god, H-O-A-R-Y. So, hoary boulder, um, what does hoary mean? You know what? I've, I meant to look it up and I haven't. It's just a weird word. It means um, old. <laughs> and and kind of weak. So ah, okay. I was like, it has to have like a little bit more of a negative connotation. Yeah, right? it's okay. it's kind of like a, a a trite, a little bit belittling in context. That's that's it. It's a belittling. So yep. well, poor hoary boulder. I mean, I guess if anything is going to be hoary, a boulder is still going to be pretty impressive. So okay, I don't feel too sure. <laughs> Hamuj further decries the kidnappings. There is no honor in attacking these victims, these civilians that bear no arms. So the Brotherhood are hunters, and their fallen brethren are their prey. He asks us to join him. Will we join up and kill these tempered Amalja? Before we can answer, a voice voice rings out. No, I will not accept this pretender. Hell no. She walks up, 
who are you? I bet you didn't even like battle Ifi. It was probably like a fire sprite or something. Like this you're is, such a such a fucking liar. This is the math Mikote Jin. Yes. That's how she talks. For those who are not just involved in the and quest. And she's killed at least a dozen other adventurers who have made similar bows. And my name is Loon Ga. Mm, 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 mm. And Hamouj is like, girl, sit your ass down. Hello, we're like having a conversation here. I'm the fucking chief. Uh, Yeah, silence. Yeah, and, and the decision's mine to make. You factor into this not at all. And Loon Ga leaves, but... You know, she does the classic, like, stay out of my way. The Mikote Lunga also doubted our truth of having killed Ifrit. No, Hamush smelled us. He knows. She thinks that we killed some oversized fire sprite. And what does that say about her opinions of Hamush's uh, uh, scent abilities? Not great. Rude. But yeah, Hamush believes us or in. However, past glories will not impress his kind. We must prove ourselves through present actions. So now Hamuj starts to recount the Imalja history. They were once nomads that roamed the plains of Pagothan, fighting any that impeded their path. When their people grew old, they would journey to the holy land of Zanrak to confront the specter of death, casting their body into the sacred flames and returning to ash. But now the craven-tempered Imalja occupy this holy land. They quaver before death, groveling before a deity for strength they do not deserve. All right, so this is the action part of this little conversation. So Yadavga, another other brotherhood, of course, uh, he he comes in and he's like, yo, um, some flame fangs. So capital F flame fangs. This is the name of the the tempered Amalja. Uh, that's, their, that's their name. Like a subsect of them. These are the ones that are known most for kidnapping new victims to be tempered. But then there's all these other guys that are like littered around the outskirts of Zaharak. Yes. They're still affiliated, but they're more like, I don't know, just We only get one sect featured in this quest line. So we don't learn much about the politics of the tempered Amalja. Well, so some flame fangs have started trouble again, and now we need to go out and you know, put up or shut up. So Hamouj calls to Loon and tells her that she's going to be our escort for this mission. Oh, she's stoked. So we we go out to see what's going on. And um, a salesman that has been traveling through the desert has run afoul of some flame fangs. And we're going to deal with them. So Loon is like, okay, you have some skill, but this isn't plague time. We head into Zanrak, the plateau-filled rocky region where... It's like the front door to the Zaharak stronghold. And in a nearby pass, we find an overturned wagon and a skittish salesman. Lunga has already killed the forward scout of the Flame Fangs. And then we ready ourselves for the main assault, which actually is just a few Amalja. It's not that big of an assault. We fight them off, whatever. And then this poor traitor thanks us for our intervention. He thought the talk of attacks was just his rivals trying to scare him off. And he complains that swords cost so much these days that he thought he'd save a, a gill or two and just go unprotected through this Amalja-infested territory. Lunga thought that we would perish during the attack. She is, of course, not missing a single chance to diss on us. Yeah, clearly she's got, you know, a chip on her shoulder and that's not our bad. So deal with your shit, girl. After we save the merchant, we go back to the Ring of Ash again. Lunga says, even though we may not be a hatchling, she is still not impressed. She goes on to talk about this war of attrition between the Brotherhood of Ash and the Tempered and tells us to beat feet because we are not a true Amalja. Not like she is. Right. What? You're not? You think I'm not Amalja? To the seven hells with you. And then out of nowhere, she has like this moment of insecurity where she's like, she gets mad that we're secretly insinuating that she's not a real Amalja, and nobody said that, and tells us to get the fuck out. She's having a problem. So we go back to Hamouj, and he is like, no, like, officially, help us. You're a part of the Brotherhood now. Welcome aboard, warrior, and help us reclaim the glory of our people. Hamouj asks us to officially join up with the Brotherhood of Ash. So, Jin. Will you unleash your fury alongside the Brotherhood? Yep. Well said. 
Yours is a true warrior's heart. Yeah, I know. So now we are officially in. We've unlocked the reputation quests. We start at neutral and we get to ranking up. I mean, there's a lot of flowery language in these and they do very much um, inform the player um, about the culture behind the Amalja, the, you know, I guess the quote unquote true Amalja, the Brotherhood of Ash. It just, you know, when you do them dozens of times. <laughs> so when you, I mean, I do encourage you to read through them because um, just, just for the first time, um, because it adds a lot of flavor about kind of what their, you know, the kind of their daily errands, um, some of the struggles they might encounter being next door to the uh, Flame Fangs. Um, things that they're trying to do to mitigate their encroachment, their violence, all of this stuff. So that it, it all informs like the how and the why that that they're there. But other than that, I mean, no, it's just like it's kind of a series of the same type of quest, just in different locations. Maybe there's more of it to do. One that jumped out to me is a quest where the Amalja talk about how the nearby Yu tribe of Mikote. So there's Forgotten Springs down in the Sagoli Desert down south, which have the Yu tribe of Mikote. And the weapons of this tribe are greatly valued by them as they are passed down by the tribe's ancestors. And you are tasked by the Brotherhood with going to retrieve these weapons from the Flame Fangs because they have stolen them from the Yu tribe and they did not earn them. So even though the U tribe and the Brotherhood are, are from separate cultures, the Brotherhood still respects the warrior traditions of the U tribe as well and tries to make whole this kind of lost yeah. piece of their culture. And they're also like kind of like building a greater Thanalan community, honestly, between all of the peoples by doing this. Like well, they're on like the right side. Yes what? and no, because there's another quest where the Brotherhood says, you know, the U tribe, they're pretty weak, actually. They might be warriors, but they can't hang with. They, yeah. Yeah. This is a little, um, they're being a little overbearing. They're maybe overstepping their bounds here because the, the U tribe, sometimes they get a little too close to the flame fangs and then they get kidnapped and then the Brotherhood of Ash have to go in and rescue them. And well, so it's a little patronizing. Um, so that particular quest is you have to go in and scare them away from flame fang territory using like flame breath from a drake. Yeah. So you ride a biased into the desert and just breathe. It's like you're, you're the cops cracking down on teenagers hanging out outside the convenience store. Yeah. Obviously the brotherhood can't do this because that's awkward. They're like going around like, eh, eh, back, back. And, uh, so they use the drake as a way to like maintain a neutral position they use us on the drake <laughs> right hopefully you know well i think i'm small enough they probably didn't notice me <laughs> um yeah so we but, have to and go then, like you, you you flame them when they're out in the desert and they go ee! and then they run all the way home and it's like i don't like that not a fan <laughs> it was a bit absurd yeah that is that is the most absurd everything else is pretty the, the drake quests reasonable. are the worst ones because it can't fight so if you get aggroed and there are objectives Ugh. where you need to breathe fire on like exploding barrels. Do those last. After you've done everything else, do those last. Because you will be hopping on and off and on and off and on and off while you're constantly getting accosted you, you throughout the entire desert. You can't jump off the Drake because it goes back home. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So you jump off, then you have to go back to the... You just run away and reset aggro of the enemies. Oh. Or you do that. Yeah. So um, the objective for that one is you have to go and breathe fire on these like munitions for the tempered emulsion. And you're on the Drake. And even though it's a big fire breathing lizard, it cannot fight for shit. Like it does no damage, literally zero damage. You cannot fight. So if you aggro and this place is dense with enemies, if you aggro someone that's near the pile of shit, you got to blow up, they will stab you and interrupt your cast of the flame breath. So recommend you do not hop off because that will make the Drake go back home and you've got to go leave, talk to the Drake handler, get a new Drake and then head back. Instead, just run away and then the aggro will, will reset and then come back and breathe your fire. Hopefully you'll be safe then. Y'all will figure out your own rhythm. One thing though, this place will help you hone your stealth skills because oh, there yeah. is so much shit here. And if you are good at dodging enemies and slipping behind them, you will have a much better time. Yes. Don't just run through. You'll die. 
You got to be careful. Last note for the um, the rank up quests for me. There is an odd enemy type here, which are the towers. These are tall, heavy metal, kind of like scout towers that are enemies, mechanically speaking, but they don't move. And only some of them attack. The ones outside in Xanarak don't attack. The ones deeper in Zaha Rock do attack you with fireballs. But you'll be tasked with blowing up these structures, which look like big, beefy towers, even though they function mechanically as enemies. Okay, so um, we rank up and press on. The next tier, the next tier of quests. Um, so, like we said, there's the U tribe of Mikote in the south, and they had a hunting party get ambushed uh, by the Flame Fangs, and. I think all but one of them were either killed or tempered. Uh, so our mission now is to meet up with Lunga and do what we can to rescue the lone U Ranger survivor who is untempered. Just key. We go to meet up with Lunga and she's already surrounded by like emulsion bodies. She's not, again, stoked that Hamouj sent us again. Um, but. Uh, we also weren't fast enough for the summons because while she was waiting for us, she saw the she saw the flame fangs discover the missing Makote who was trying to like stay hidden or whatever. Um, and she couldn't get to her before they were they got her and dragged her into the camp. So it's totally our fault because we didn't show up fast enough. But she's also mad that we were summoned. Whatever, she's got problems. Regardless, the two of us alone were not enough for this. So. Uh, Lunga has a plan. If we can run through the settlement with her drake and start exploding their oil stockpiles, that may create enough of a diversion to let her run in and grab the prisoner. So we get more drake that can't fight antics as we have to go and use our cast bar to blow up shit. But eventually we persevere. And after doing so, we meet back up with Lunga. While we made this distraction, she has done her part and has freed the surviving U tribe member whose name is Yudnapa. As we get back, Lunga, of course, nags us about being slow again. Can't stop dissing us. My theory here is that she is threatened by us because we are not an Amalja and we're tough and we are becoming more respected by them. She knows that she's not an Amalja. She wants very much to be one, but everyone knows she's not. But also, this is like her deepest insecurity is that she is not tough enough to hang with these guys. So she has to put us down to elevate herself into being a true Amalja. Tale as old as time. We deal with these people every day. As Lunga is busy nagging us about being too slow, the Mikote that we rescued, Unapa, exclaims, Ulun, your voice is unmistakable. We had thought you perished. So apparently... This one we just saved, this Mikote we just saved, knows Lunga, whose former yeah. name was Yulun. I just say Ulun. Okay. Instead of like you, like the letter, I don't know. Lunga is not at all pleased with yet another crack in her Amalja-shaped armor and shuts down this inquiry immediately. She tries to dismiss Unapa, say, I'm an Amalja, and just, she leaves. She walks off. I don't know Fuck anything about these quote-unquote forgotten springs and my name is Lunga and uh, you are seriously confused. Unapa though is not deterred and she invites yeah. us back to Forgotten Springs so we can learn more of Lunga's past. So we go to that Mikote settlement down in the desert and talk to several tribe members learning that Ulun is thought to have been killed along with her mother during an attack five years ago. With this new knowledge, we go back to the Brotherhood camp and confront Lunga. Frankly, if this were me, I would let her have her fantasy and not try and take down her armor. But our character does. And Lunga says, fine, you know what? I'll tell you just to make you shut up. I mean, obviously, she's just she's bristling from this whole experience. And she's already really self-conscious about it, like on a good day. Uh, so when we, we head back at camp and before we can even open our mouths, she's like, all right, I'll tell you. You know, she was taken into battle and, and Hamushga found her. So she survived the attack that killed her mother and her other tribes people and escaped. So Ulun escaped, 
wandered the desert, was dying, maybe wounded, and that's when Hamouj found her. Right. She's like, what, 11, 12, something like that? Um, or the equivalent age. Hamouj gave her an offer. Right. Either stay here and die, stay here in the desert and die, or join up with us and fight. So that was when Lunga resolved to become reborn as an Amalja warrior. She was an Amalja reborn. <laughs> so lay off the questions. That's all you need to know. Leave me alone. So now we are recognized. That's our new reputation rank. After we do our next set of rank ups, we are informed by Hamuj Ga that a scout has overheard some flame fang plotting. They are going to have their tempered spies orchestrate another kidnapping raid. This isn't our first tempered spy issue. They were used to good effect with the Camp Drybone kidnappings. Now we go talk to Gisselbear. Uh He's the... He's, that's his post. He's like the head guy at Little a Little El Amigo. And we share with him the suspicions of the Brotherhood with regards to tempered infiltration uh, within the camp. And he's like, oh, that's really bad. But I can see why they think that. Because these raids are happening at very suspicious times. Like, this is more than coincidence. And as we're speaking, a flame recruit runs up and says that a kidnapping is currently underway. And a caravan of travelers has been attacked, and the prisoners are being carried off to Zanrak as we speak. Well, here we go. So Gisselbert tells the recruit, drum up whatever able-bodied soldier you can, and chase down the kidnappers. Uh, kidnappers. And the, um, I mean, at this point, all the guys they can drum up for this endeavor are, like, fresh recruits. Right, because the garrison has been stretched so thin by these other attacks that everyone with experience is recuperating. They are out, they're wounded, only the fresh blood can muster and go counter this attack. We run out, you know, to deal with this. However, we find a sergeant who's on the ground, obviously having just endured some kind of fight and then the recruit that ran up and was like there's a kidnapping cheeky place well he's standing there just like laughing over him like oh okay you're one of the infiltrators that we were talking about um and the sergeant is befuddled you swore an oath to the immortal flames he cries to the recruit nah. who retorts you mean the walking wounded with the alamigo flame shattered the Imalja can raid at their pleasure and the captured soldiers will be excellent tempered and you, adventurer, you better not touch me. The flame fangs are about to arrive, and if you mess with me, you'll be sorry. I doubt that. His buddies show up, and we subdue them very easily. And the recruit is like, oh my god, what? And he runs away. But <laughs> he is uh, killed uh, by an arrow. Uh, just uh, Lunga. She's, she's arrived. Boom! She shoots him. He's dead. And as she approaches us, asking what the hell is going on, uh, we're surrounded by flame fangs then. And, um, but this time, well, there's a lot of them. And there's this very clear chief head guy. This is Zagozte. Zagozte is the leader of the flame fangs. And he has a headpiece on his, his own wooden mask that reminds me of like the bull of a brazier. With like a lizard face piece. Got like a weird head thing going on that looks like it should be on fire. It's pretty cool. And I feel like there there is a mask in game that looks very much like it for your character. It's a piece of gear. And it's it's like a, it looks like a fucking like a deer skull or something, but with like flame horns. And there's different ones for different classes. Sure. Anyway, it's, it looks just like that. So this guy, Zagaz Teb, marks us as being part of the Brotherhood of Ash, ghosts of a fading past. They lack strength, so they consort with the slave races, us and Lunga. Sure, yeah, quote unquote, cattle. Lunga demands to know where the captives are. They've been led away into Zaharak or slaughtered, of course. So Lunga is going to loose an arrow at him. I mean, Zagostha is is an absolute dick. Um, so he's he's saying all sorts of really, uh, you self-proclaimed civilized people will still make a lot of noise when your blood sizzles on the desert sand. And oh yeah, I remember how loons 
Helene, when your mom begged for mercy and like, I mean, it's just like pure evil, just cartoonishly evil shit to say. So this is when she knocks a shot at him, but he counters with a flame shot of his own. And of course, you know, this is like Ifrit flame. So it's like real hot. It's real powerful. Ifrit flame. Yeah. Real hot. <laughs> capital R, capital H, trademark. The fireball blasts her entire bow away, leaving her disarmed. And she's like, okay, that was bad. I've never felt flame that hot before. So, you know, with the full might of the the Ifrit beacons and all the blessed fires that they keep lit around the camp, yeah, his spells are going to be pretty powerful. But he spares us. He sends us away with a message for Hamujga. The world has no use for spent ashes. We will be scattered before the searing winds of Zanrak's ascension. Okay. We first off go back to Gisselbert. And he realizes he fucked up. He fell right for the Malta trap with the whole tempered spy ambush I thing. I know, but like, what are you supposed to do, right? Like, you can't go around like throwing suspicion at literally every recruit. And when you have so few of them to begin with, like, you can't, you it's can't rough. live a life that way. It's, it's a bad time all around. Correct. But Gisselbert begs us to free the surviving flames. So we return to Hamouche and he agrees. We must stamp out the sparks of Zagaz's ambition. We do the thing that is my second least favorite mechanic of the reputation quests, which is we have to go and kill some guys, get their keys, and then go to the, these cages and unlock them. It's like it's like two tasks in one. Exactly. So the, the killing the guys is, is like the duration of another reputation quest period. But then you've got to go and click on three cages to unlock them. And if you get attacked while the cage is unlocking and the guys are saying, thank you for freeing me. The nope. cage closes again of its own volition, yep. and you have to Try start again. the whole thing over again. It's, yeah. We we kill the jailers. We free the captives. They thank us. That's that. Yep. And um, so we go back to the camp, and, and, and Hamouj is like, oh, wow, successful mission. Way to go. Good job. And then Lungar runs in, and she's cursing Zaga's name up and down, and She's going to kill him and hang him by his entrails, and he's going to die a whimpering cur, blah, blah, blah. And Hamouj is like, no, you can't do that alone. You, if you did that, you would just die, and then that would be stupid. Um, and she, so uh, it, this triggers her again. You know, will I never be worthy of the kill because I'm Ikote? Because I will never have the strength of Nomalja? And... And Hamouj has to stop her again. He's like, no, you foolish child. I only commented on your lack of martial wisdom. You imagine slights where none exist. <sighs> Fuck wisdom. Uh, this is why he's chief. Anyway, Yad of Ga is kind of more in line with how Luna's feeling. Like, he wants vengeance for her as well, you know? He feels like she should be given the opportunity to, to take out her anger and make this right for her mother. But, you know, Hamaj tells them both no for two reasons. One, confronting the flame fangs at this stage is only going to guarantee the defeat of both of you. And regardless of that, two, our laws are, are clear. This is a blood vendetta. Nobody interferes in a blood vendetta is between Lunga and her target. And she has not yet trained at that level yet. So only Lunga herself can take this stand. And if she has the strength to curse and scream, then she has the strength to train. And he says this. It is said that the drake will drop its own offspring into a ravine to watch it claw its way up. So it is with the Amalsha. Like, tough lessons, man. Like, way to go. And we are now friendly with the Amalja. So now the reputation quests begin sending us into Zaharak itself. So this is the canyony stronghold to the east of the more open area we've been operating in before. And this place is packed with enemies. You will kill three guys just having to get to one objective. There's no way what? around it. There are also fates back here, and some of the reputation quests require you to clear a fate. 
to achieve that objective. Yeah. And like I was telling Jen when she was doing these, if I'm doing the wrap up quests and the feat I need has not spawned during the course of doing this quest, just forget it. Skip okay. it for the day. It's not worth waiting <laughs> okay. around for yeah, a fate no to spawn way. to get it's fine. 20 more rep. It's it was fine. Come back tomorrow exactly. and try again. So now we're on the last uh, last segment here. Yep. Which I'm, I, I did not expect this to be the last. I thought we were like slightly more than halfway through getting to the uh, the final reputation level. But no, this is the last one. Loon Ga's best friend, Yadav Ga, gives word that she has gone alone into Zahar Rock against Hamuj's council. Yeah. Of course, going on her revenge quest. And we go and narc on her to Hamujga, who is pissed off. Reckless action what? is not martial courage. Yeah. What did I just say? However, we can't help her. The martial law of the Brotherhood forbids intervention in blood vendettas, no matter how dumb someone's being. Yep. But Yadav, though, is attached to Lunga. He, he is close with her. And he says, hey, you know, you're not an Amalja. You don't have to obey our laws. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go in there and help her? And okay. we say, sure. So we find Lunga in the canyons of Zaha Rock, hunched in a stream bed. She's pissed off at first, of course, that we came to help. But she's like, you know, you're here. Let's make use of you. And so she tells us that while she's working on her objective, there's some prisoner deep within the stronghold. And she gets emotional for a hot second about this until she collects herself and steals her will again. So she wants us to save this mystery prisoner. And to do so, we need to take out the Flame Fang's second in command, Manab Cha. So he's got the key. We find him, but leave Zagaz alone. Zagaz is Lungaz quarry. We find Manab Cha deeper inside Zaharak, kill him, take the key, whatever. And then we find the cage it unlocks deep, deep within the stronghold. This is a big cage. Yes. Yes, this person has lived some years in this cage. Um, in the cage, it is a, the, it, she is called a white-haired Mikote. And when you walk in and she's, she's sitting down, her back is towards us, and she yells at us to stay away. Get back. She knows why we've come. So I thought at first that she... She thought we were tempered, and we were going to go and claim her to take her before Ifrit. Correct. Yeah. Like, stay back, and I'm not going to go do your tempered shit. Like, um, so we... Th <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's not the case at all. So, she knows why we've come, and that reason is to take Loon away from her. And in front of her, she's clutching a rock, and she thinks the rock is her baby girl, Loon. Yikes. And uh, we can't take her because she has been promised to Lord Ifrit, to the Lord of the Inferno. And well, fuck. So this is when Loon Ga runs up and one. Okay, so I was totally annoyed at the anticlimactic moment that this was. One, that Loon Ga seemingly knew this whole time that her mom was alive? Since when? Okay. And then two, um, if she didn't know she was alive, she just found out she's alive and she's like, what up, mom? Oh, you've been alive this whole time? Ah, shit, she's tempered. Like, it literally goes, that's like the dynamic. That's the intensity of the open. There isn't one. Counterpoint. I infer that Lunga kind of honed in on this just now. When we're talking to her in the stream bed, she's not even sure who's in this cage, but asks us to check it out. So maybe she heard something or saw something that tipped her off just now, but I do not think that she knew about her mother being here the entire time. Okay, so she's known about it for like five minutes, maybe. Yes. She's had an inkling. But even then, so like, no, like, I, I see what you're saying. Well, I've for got- For sure, I've got like, a, it's, it's less of a shock because it, it started to seep in already. I've got a point too, which I think that her Amalja conditioning has- kind of steeled her away as well from at least showing emotion about this. Yeah. She probably realizes that her mother is dead and she's like, that's, you know, she right. was lost beforehand. People die in the desert. That's the life of the warrior. I mean, that is, I mean, that's, 
that's life in much of the desert, and that's certainly the life of a, of a warrior. So yeah, there's certain a certain level of pragmatism that she has to apply here. But uh, and again, also she's been very good at putting up walls. She has a literal mask on. Not surprising. However, it yeah, it just felt like kind of flat for me. I, that's know. fair. Um. Anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, her mom is is really far gone. Like, more so than normal. Like, she would not be able to function. Like, that recruit earlier, the infiltrator. Yeah. He was still very much, like, you know, sentient and, like, a normal guy. He could still fool you. But she was... She is addled. Well, I found the rock baby to be a cool twist, frankly. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that this was a nice subversion and also, like, a, yeah, a surprise. Dark. Yep. Yeah. Zagaz Ted now makes an appearance mocking Lunga for this false reunion. And he explains that her mother was exposed overlong to the sacred flame of Ifrit, losing her wits. And now it's our turn to be purified. But then he walks off. So it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> now it's your turn I'll come later. Back for you oats. I'm not coming. So back he for leaves oats. us alone in the middle of his stronghold to do I don't know what this was a weird moment. So I was fine with the cage scene. This is like, what the fuck? Like, Lunga is pissed off. Like, he, he got away, but he's like right there. And then he walks away and she yeah. acts like he, quote, escaped. Yeah. And she's like, come back here and fight me, you coward. And he just continues walking. Like, you, you can follow he, him. He's like, literally like, honestly, I fear you not at all. I have more important things to do later. <laughs> It's so bizarre. At least sick your underlings on us for us to have a fight nope, because it nope, makes they walked away too. zero sense for him to leave us alone yeah. in the middle of their fortress. Right. So it's he's just, he's he's that. But whatever. It, it happens. Yeah, it's just, it is what it is. So um, Lunga is going to go and confront him, but she needs our help to do so. We need to destroy the infernal beacons that grant Zegaz Te his power. Yeah, we need to decommission the tractor beam. Yep. These are more of the big metal tower things. We destroy two of them. There are three types of towers in this area. There are like ones on the outside. There are a different type in the middle area between Zaharak and Zanrak. And then there are the Ifrit beacons deep inside here. Yeah, those are the ones that will target you. Yep. They see you. And you can only kill, of course, the, the deepest version, not the outside variants. Yeah, no. So we knock down the tower and then we we go looking for Lunga again. And as we're looking around, we hear Zagaz mocking Lunga. We look up and get a cool shot of the camera zooming way out and see Loon and Zagaz fighting on this way high up metal I'm, platform. It's, no, it's like it's it's actually when it zoomed out, I was like, where are where are they? It's on top of one of their big, like, um, metal um, caravans. I think he's higher up than that. No, it's literally the roof of one of those No, things. because when he falls, he falls, like, a good distance. Because the thing is parked on a cliff. So if he falls off of that, he's falling off the height of the I caravan see. and the height of the cliff. Um, so it's bad. Okay. Good eye. Hopefully. <laughs> Jumping in here with a small correction after the main recording... But it's important to address since this is a climactic scene. The platform that the confrontation takes place on is neither of those things. They are standing on a weird skybox bay window thing, like where VIPs would sit in like a sports game. Yep. These appear in several places throughout the area, but you only see them if you look up because they are very high up. They're not visible from the ground level. This is a metal box with windows that sticks out from the cliffside, like a skybox again. Um, it's the best way I would describe it. Yeah. It's very small. So good job on the camera work making this dramatic scene unfold upon this like 10 foot long by 5 foot deep box. And there's also no visible means of accessing the interior of these projections which suggests that these cliff sides are actually full of tunnels and yeah. they kind of poke out at occasion. So cool. I want to get in there. Can I get can I get a little a little stone apartment or whatever? Also, there is no reason whatsoever for the characters to be on these things in the scene. They would have to climb up the cliffside separately and get on top of the skybox because there's no way to get up there besides climbing the rock face itself. This is this is such an anime thing. Yes. 
I mean, the scene is great. It's very dramatic. This is the perfect place for it to unfold. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like it's two people facing off on like a a tiny thing that's up high. But we can't tell it's tiny in the scene, thankfully. It's fine. So we'll we'll kind of unfocus our mind and we'll let it pass. Yes. Not gonna worry about how it happened. It's style points, whatever. Style points. Okay. Anyway, that's it. Back to the main episode. Anyway, so yeah, we hear voices and they're they're like it's very cinematic. They're facing off to each other on top of this cart. Um, I'm not going to call it a cart that removes the awesome cinematicness of it, the whole thing. They're on top of this platform. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, he so they they do that the classic bit where they're both like ready to fire. So he hurls one of his famous Ifrit fireballs at her at the same time that she loses an arrow. And the two forces kind of meet in the middle, and eventually her, her arrow will, will overcome his spell and lodge in his chest. And he's like, what the fuck? That hurt. And I like this because this inverts the last scene where he blew her bow away with the same exchange. Yes. And amazing what happens when you're not drawing your strength from a fickle piece of shit uh, greedy guy. So lessons learned here. Um, but yes, Loon absolutely overcomes, overcomes him because we destroyed those beacons. He doesn't have a lot of power to draw from. And he is very surprised. I did not expect this. I did not expect to get your arrow. I didn't expect it to hurt. I thought my fireball was going to be really awesome. And, uh, you know, my spells are powered by the searing furnace of Vifrit's might. And Loon is like, uh, wrong. Your power was drawn from the beacons. And those altars of suffering are no more. Zagaz does this really weird thing. He prostrates himself in front of Loon. He begs for mercy. He says, if you spare my life, I will become your slave. And this is obviously pitiful and disgusting. And she says so. And won't waste any more of her arrows on him. Like, yeah, no, he doesn't deserve a warrior's death. Like, what a what a sad little man. So she walks away, except, oh, switcheroo, he was lying. And he's like, oh, I'll get you now. And uh, so he's about to loose a fireball or a staff strike. He's got a staff clutched in his claws, but a knife comes spinning out of nowhere and lodges itself into his chest. No, in his fucking head through a tiny slit in his mask. It is a masterful shot. Right behind the eye. And he topples from the platform a great distance and thumps on the ground slain. He's dead. On another metal platform, maybe another cart, we see Hamouj, the assailant. And he plays it real cool. He says, I saw the whole thing. I was so amped up by this whole martial display that my dagger flew out of my hands and just happened to land where Zagaz was walking. Huh. My huh. bad. Too bad for him, though. But hey, I am so proud of you, my little warrior child. Tears start falling from behind Lungaz's mask. Mm-hmm. She looks up to the heavens and says to her mother that she has been avenged. Back at the Brotherhood camp now, we debrief from the whole thing. We have broken the Flame Fang's strength and earned the respect of the Amalja people. And Lunga has seen her tempered mother back to the Yu tribe at the Forgotten Springs, hoping this will at least grant her mother some peace. I read the scene with Lunga kind of, you know, uh, consoling the heavens just now as her having seen her mother in the cage as not being a real person and seeing her as dead. Correct. But this flips the whole thing around. And I actually was disappointed because I think the whole my real mother is dead and that thing is, is a stranger hits much better I, well, she knows that the the part of her mother that she could that she could speak to, um, that's that's definitely dead. But what she can do to whatever is left of her mom, you know, as she lives out the rest of her days, hopefully, I don't know, just being in a familiar place can, you know, apply some balm to that tempered soul of hers. If she's speaking to her mother, she cannot speak to this this thing in front of her. I agree with you. I just thought that this kind of undercut the coolness of that last scene. And also like calling the tempered mother, her mother also kind of dampens that last very kind of darker, hardcore resolution. 
a little bit. Yeah, and I, I wonder if, you know, I, I don't want to be insensitive here, but I'm, I'm wondering if this is similar to um, people who have loved ones who are in the, like, the, the later stages of, like, Alzheimer's or dementia, where, of course, they're still going to speak to them and they will, like, refer to them still as, like, you know, mom, grandpa, whoever it is, even though that they know there isn't much left there of their, their old selves. I mean, so like in that context, it makes sense. And also if she's going to talk about this person to other people, saying mother is just an easy way of saying, well, you, you all know who I'm talking about. Yep. I haven't had that experience, fortunately, but that might be the case. Yeah. And in, in that case, I, you know, I can see why that there would be some overlap there, yep. that that would be fuzzy. So Lunga finally tells us that we have earned her respect and she takes her mask off, revealing behind it a red-eyed Mikote. <gasps> And then she gets super bashful all of a sudden saying, Don't OMG, stop oh, staring. Hideous. Like literally she's like, oh, I look so gross. I, I, I'm so ugly. And because she, again, she's she's an emulsia in, in her heart and her soul. And so like showing her face is a real is a real moment. Like this is this is hella vulnerable for her. All of these things are reinforcing the fact that she isn't a real emulsia, but that's her deal. She's got to work that out. But this is a huge step. The revealing, the taking off the mask saying thank you and I respect you. Jesus Christ. Amazing. And with that done, we head back to Ulda and tell Flame Commander Swift that the job is done. Yep, did it. What's next? Good jobs all around. I was expecting another uh, blue quest after this, and there was none, and I was very confused. You have kept Ulda safe, adventurer. Good job. And then... That's it. That's the end, Jen. That's the end, Jen. <laughs> That's the Jen. That's the Jen. End. Mm. Yeah, so um, very short. Did not expect this to wrap up either at this point in time. See, the thing is that these tribe quests get a very kind of resource-intensive final scene. So they go all out with like the custom animation and and the set pieces and so on. Yeah. For the final encounter, this is true for every tribe quest. You really get something special at the end. So you can kind of tell when you're at the finale when it gets big like this. But also, I was not expecting even this is my replay, but I, I was expecting more steps as well because right. it did not feel like it'd be like, hey, Loon God, don't fucking go into the desert and do this thing. And then she goes immediately, hey, I'm going to do the thing. <laughs> like there's no right away. there's no growth for her between those two scenes. It's like, right. fuck you, dad, I'm going to go do it. So I, yeah, I assumed the arc was going to be a lot bigger, but no, it's like... Burp, burp. I mean, she did it and we helped. Sure, so, but good she job. did it against... Uh, yeah, against common sense and common wisdom. She and pulled it off. her mentor's instructions and against the laws of the... Whatever, okay. But she pulled it off. <laughs> God damn it. All's well that ends well. You're one in a million, kid. <clears throat> or whatever that is. Yeah, I believe that's a quote from um, uh, Little Giants. I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway, Jen, what do you think overall about this story? Don't hate it. Even though it was a bit... It certainly has its problems. It's it's not fleshed out very well. I, I you know, Lunga as a character is not unique. You know, it, it's not a unique story. But um, I I still had fun with it. Um, coming off of the Ixal shit to this, this was nice. <laughs> <laughs> Collect a bunch of things, go fight, and then you're done. Um. And uh, I just, I love Thanalan. It's, I love, I love the desert. I love running around down there. Um, it felt more satisfying in that way than the Ixal quests. Um, but obviously the Ixal story is chef's kiss. Uh, and this is fine. I agree. Some of these quests here are a bit oppressive. And there's one night, especially when I had two of those go kill guys take their keys open I the cages that. and that was it took you were for annoyed fucking as hell. ever and i was done i was off living my best life and you're like rah, 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 rah. like i couldn't every fucking thing aggroed on me like i had a fates on top of my quest objectives i had to i had to clear the fate to be able to fucking do <laughs> the quest objective it's so annoying and then like both of the fucking unlock the door quests <laughs> open the door 
The guy comes out. Those are the worst. He's busy thanking me. Worse. He's thanking me. I got. I get pinged like, by a stray arrow. Run. God damn it! I get pinged by a stray arrow, and then the door closes on him because we've got to be thanked properly before he can escape. He's like, nope, nope. You're busy. I'll, I'll just lock myself back in. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if we just got arrowed by an emulsion, that's the safest place for it. I mean, like, I'll, I'll be in the cage. All right, let me know when you're done. Overall, these these are mostly painless as far as the mechanics go. Just yeah. a couple irksome quests in the mix, and then yeah, story's nothing nothing great, frankly, but it's fun. And the final scene, of course, is is great. I did gasp. I did not expect Hamush to be the one to do it. Because, I mean, they planted that seed real good, right? Like, I told you not to. It is forbidden. And then he shows up and does it. Um, but I was I was like, aw, what a nice moment. See, you know, we can bend the rules. Any final thoughts, Jen? No. Same. Next time, we will be revisiting a couple dungeons in hard mode. We will be talking about Sestasha and Copperbell hard. Well, that will do it for today's episode. It's a little bit longer than I thought, um, but good shit. Uh, if uh, you guys haven't already joined the Discord, if you check the show notes, you'll get the deets there. You can log in, swap stories, swap picks, join some group runs, stuff like that. Um, uh, otherwise, you can always get in touch with us via email at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. And with that, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a good day or night. And we will see you next time.